we're on. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, we're working a speaker so we can have a little bit louder in here. Um, Warner, I'm hoping you're up and that uh, you're going to start some video here soon. Um, otherwise, it'll be me with my harmonica. Um, so uh, welcome, everybody. Again, I uh, appreciate all of your flexibility. I know uh, Small Group Sunday was something that we just made up last week. And, and uh, we're, we're rolling with it for one more week. Uh, our, our, our hope and prayer is that everything will get cleared up like by Tuesday or Wednesday next week. But there's a, a couple things we got to get done. So hopefully that happens. But um, so please be praying for that. And um, but uh, I'm excited. It's cool having you guys all here and uh, some new families here in our house. And uh, so super cool. So I'm going to turn it over to Warner and um, we'll start some uh, some worship. Hello, 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 hello. Hey, Jonathan, are you there? I'm here. You sound good. <laughs> um, good morning. Uh, I don't know if it's it me who's supposed to be speaking. Yeah, it is. I'm sorry. I I didn't hear what Jonathan was saying at the beginning. Um, but good morning, church. Uh, whether you're connected through Zoom or YouTube, um, welcome. This is our second uh, week uh, meeting <laughs> meeting digitally. I'm sorry, I'm just having a, a feedback over here, so it's kind of weird. Uh, but anyways, um, I just want to say good morning to everybody. Uh, it's good to see some faces through um, Zoom, and if you are on YouTube, it's great for you to be connected this morning. Um, so we are at BJ's and Kelly's home. So thank you, BJ, for having us today. And Kelly, wherever you are, thank you very much. Um, this is a great morning to worship God and to praise him. And, you know, just last, last week, I, I want to encourage you, if you're at home in your pajamas or if you're at your small group, uh, let's think together, let's worship together, let's, uh, let's just connect with God through the music and the songs, and let's just pour our hearts into his presence, so let's do it, church. But the blood I was made, 
longer a slave And now you're taking us higher We go from glory to glory to glory Never be the same Never be the same We go from glory to glory to glory Where forever God, that the work that you started in us, you're going to finish it. And it's so good, God, to be this morning in your presence, worshiping you, honoring you with all our hearts, with all that we are. We just want to worship you this, this morning.
without faking, you know, without trying to cover our imperfections, but just the way that we are. Take us this morning as we are. Take us as we are, God, this morning. It's all about you, God. Take us as we are. All right, pretty good. Uh, thank you, Warner. Uh, you know, it's funny we were we were chatting here uh, before it all started. Of you know this, I get it. It's a little awkward worshiping, right? And and trying to figure out like, I mean, I don't, I can't sing the way Warner does. Um, I can't sing at all. Um, and. And I don't know, I, I'd encourage you guys, like I, I, I started, Warner and I were chatting a bit and, and trying to figure out like, what, what is it? Why, why do we worship? Why does, um, why when we read the Psalms, does it talk, and even Colossians talks about us singing Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, like it says to do it. And so, so we got to go like, okay, well, why and what does that look like? And I think the, what does it look like is maybe maybe the, the thing that we struggle with more than, than the why, but um, I don't know, just, you know, it's not the point of the sermon at all, but might be, might be worth kind of uh, spending the time to, to kind of think through that. And I, I will tell you, um, I'll just give you, and this is kind of a weird story, but um, actually really weird, but so I, um, I grew up in San Diego and I, my brother, me and my cousin would go, we'd go body surfing uh, often. And, and um I was, my brother was the oldest and then me and then my cousin was uh, two years younger than me. And the waves in San Diego can get pretty, you know, pretty good. And I would get scared. Like the only reason, which is only one of many times in my life where I went, well, if everybody else is doing it, I guess I'll be fine, you know, which is probably not the best way to go through life. But, um, and I remember um, singing to myself because I still couldn't sing it. Um, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous will move to it. Like, and I would literally, like, I know this sounds super corny, but like that, I would be that would be going in my mind while I was like getting consumed by these massive waves. Um, and I think that's the point. And I think that's the point, right? Because it rhymes, it it, it it solidifies into our brains, right? You can all probably. Um, name the, the secular song that you love that speaks to you, you know, if, you, if, uh, if you're a, a couple in here, you probably had some sort of song that's your song, right, that, that spoke to a time in your life, right, like, the, 
like this is how they do it. And, and so I think that's the point, right? Is that it, it solidifies the truths of scripture in our minds. So anyway, total, total sidebar. What we're doing this morning is we're launching our series in Galatians. So um, I am actually like really excited about this. And, you know, if you haven't caught the pattern, uh, when we plan out our uh, sermon series for the next year, you know, we, we bounce back and forth between getting into a book and specifically going verse by verse in, through a letter of the book, a letter of the Bible um, or a book of the Bible. And then we'll go to an application-based one, right? Like we just finished up crazy things Jesus said. Okay, well, how does this, and obviously all coming from the Bible, but um, some are, are, are topical more than, than uh, exegetical, just coming straight out of scripture. And so, so this is fun. This is fun for me. I love this. Like this I could do this, this is like going through yeah. scripture and, yeah, sure. and like breaking apart and seeing like what is what is God doing in this. And and so Galatians is in particularly cool. Okay. Um, so we are coming off of crazy things Jesus said, right? And we're like, hey, how does how does what Jesus said apply into our lives, and how do we how do we deal with that, right? Like how does that uh, affect how we live day to day, right? And we ended on probably the craziest thing, which is that Jesus says that I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? And we, and we see that and we go, man, that, that's a pretty exclusive statement and that's pretty crazy. And, and so why? Why is that the case? Well, the entire letter from Paul to the Galatians is making the point that that statement of Jesus is true. It's the gospel the good news. And, and so he's going to spend this letter to the Galatians this entire time explaining to them why it's so, it needs to be preserved, why it's so important. And when I say it, it's the gospel. Okay. So, so think of this for like, um, you know, he's going to, there's going to be an imitation gospel. And we're going to get through that as we walk through. There's a lot of imitation gospels. There's gospels that seem like they're good they just have this side jaunt and paul is going to be really adamant that that's not good like you that that can't happen and we'll get into it uh and so it's really important um to paul it's really important to god because he preserved this he wrote this for us right for us to understand what this gospel is why is jesus the way and the truth and the life why can no one go to the Father except through him? Um, and, and hopefully, if you didn't listen to last week's sermon, I, go back and listen to it. Because I think what you're going to find is like that pure gospel, good news. I mean, again, go back. The gospel, we use that term often, right? Like it, it kind of floats around. It's just kind of this noun. But it, it really was like the, the picture was like somebody comes running up to my front door right now just because we have to be in my house, right? If somebody came running up to my front door and burst open the door and announced something with excitement, that's, that's the gospel, right? And that, that excitement, that, that picture of like, man, this person is so ecstatic. They're skipping down the driveway, right? Like they're, they're so excited. Like that, when we say what's the gospel – that's the good news. That's the declaration that, that God brought to us and went and did it and rescued you, saved you. You, know, you don't need to do anything. I, I did this for you. So that's what Paul's focus is going to be in Galatians as we kind of go through this. It's going to take us through the summer. So all through summer. So here's what I would encourage you guys to do. Six chapters. Read it. Read it on your own in one sitting. Sometime this summer, you, I hope you're not so busy <laughs> that you can't put aside maybe the 20 minutes that it would take to sit down and read through Galatians and maybe have a pencil in your hand even and underline some things that, that are meaningful. And don't read it as a historical book. This Remember, this is God preserving this for us. He's, he's applying this. He, he wants us to understand the truths that are in here for a reason. And I'll tell you the reason, because there are a lot of, Im uh, I lost my word, uh, imitation. There are a lot of imitation gospels out there. There are. And it's, it's constrained upon us to, to read the gospel and to know what it is, and to be able to identify uh, the imitations. So before I get started, let me pray. 
Father, we thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to gather together. And I know, Father, that, that this is challenging. It's, it's challenging. It's summer. Um, it's so much better to gather together and to see everybody uh, all at once. But we do thank you for the communities that, that are able to gather in different houses. And, and for those who aren't and are just tuning in on YouTube or Zoom, I just pray, Father, that, that somehow this would give us a little bit of that bridge, a little bit of that connection, a little bit of the fellowship, that, that we would know that we are uh, one body, and that your church is meeting all over this world right now, uh, declaring you, proclaiming the gospel all for your glory. And we pray that that would be exactly what we do today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you have a Bible, open it up. Me and Galatians, put your little ribbon thing if you've got one, bookmark it on your phone, whatever, right? If you could download the ESV, like you can actually download as there's an app for it, man, you can just hit play. It's not the most, it's not super user friendly. But if you go to Galatians 1 and you just hit play, it, dude, man, will just start reading. And if you're driving, just listen to it. And it's good. And, and so, anyway, so that's what we're going to be in in Galatians. Okay, so so here's the coolest part. I th Well, I think one of the coolest parts of Galatians. Um, it's the first book in the New Testament, the first letter. It was written very first, 48 AD. That's when it was written, which is cool because that's, Jesus was crucified and resurrected in 33 AD. So we're 15 years later, here's Paul writing to some churches, and we'll get into who he's writing to here in a second. So, so for, for those who are greater than about 15 to 20 years old, this would be like writing about George W. Bush's presidency and why. You're not going to get very far, right? Like everybody's still around, right? Like it's not like you've got a whole generational change and right. And, but this is the mentality that sometimes we're fed, right? The world will feed that and like, hey, you know, that this is it's an old archaic book. And how do you know? It was kind of like, you know, legends don't get born in 15 years, right? Or a folklore, right? Like that stuff takes generations upon generations. Oh, he was six feet tall. Okay, now he was eight feet tall. Now he was a 12 foot giant, right? Like, like that's how those things happen. Those are generations and generations passing those on. So here's Paul writing in 48 AD. Um, here's the other cool part. We actually have papyrus, like legit. And I was going to print it out, and I didn't. And I, you know, it's I don't have the TVs to put it up on. We literally have the entire text of Galatians on a papyrus that dates like late 100s, early 200s. Like that's before the Catholic Church. That's before Constantine. That's before organized religion. Like that is. Most likely either somebody who had legit, and they call it the autograph, legit Paul's writings on a, on a piece of papyrus, and they copied it over and handed it to somebody else. Now, he writes this to multiple churches. So this isn't going to one church. It's not the Galatian church. It's the, the churches in Galatia, which is an area. So the intent was that this was a circular. Like, it was supposed to go to a bunch of places. So it probably got to the first church, and they're like, well, we want to hold on to this one. Let us copy it. Okay, send that to the next church. Okay, let us copy, right? Like, this is how this most likely came around. But here's what's awesome. You can legitimately read the, I mean, you have to take somebody's translation. You got to assume that somebody knows Greek, right? But um, it's the same that you're holding. It's the same. There's no theological differences. There might be little tiny shifts here and there, but nothing that is of any substantial theological import. And so not only is this a very early letter written by Paul, and during that time, nothing changed, right? But we also see that really nothing changed. So it is a really trustworthy thing for us to read and go, this is really what Paul said. This is really what God preserved for us, which is, which is awesome. Now, um, you know, often people will say, well, you know, you're reading a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. It's just not true. I mean, assuming that you have some sort of fairly modern literal translation, uh, I, I wouldn't say this for all translations, but but for the most part, uh, the vast majority of translations, minus a couple from other different religions and stuff like that, uh, you've got a literal copy of what he had. So so that's awesome. Um, all right. So with that, we're going to jump into Galatians 1.1. It says, uh, Paul, an apostle, not from men 
nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now, this term apostle, it's actually, it's actually used in some denominations right now, but um, the idea, there, there are only 11 apostles, and this was post-resurrection Christ going to the 11 disciples that were remaining, right, because Judas was out, um, and going, go, commissioning them, go, t- go tell the good news, go spread the gospel. Well, how is Paul in this? Paul wasn't there. I mean, Paul was around, but he wasn't on that side of the fence, right? He was trying to bust in the doors and go kill them, right? And so what was Paul? Paul was the exact opposite. So when did Paul become an apostle? And most of you probably know this, right? He's going from Jerusalem to Damascus to go just murder some Christians, which is crazy, right? You're like, like legitimately, he's going to just go do what he thought God wanted him to do, right? Because they were Christian, from Paul's perspective, Christians were blaspheming God. They were saying that Jesus, this guy, was the son of God. That was blasphemous, if it was right? And so, so he's going to go kill them. And on the road, guess what happens? You can read about this in Acts chapter 9, right? Jesus appears to Paul and the people that were with him. Everybody hears the voice. Paul goes blind. Fast forward, like Christ reveals himself to Paul. He reveals the gospel to Paul. And as we break through this in chapter one, we're going to see that this wasn't just like a, hey, it's me, and good luck, go on your way. There was a complete revelation to Paul of the same things that Jesus had communicated to the disciples in an instant, in a moment. Paul now the three years that the disciples were walking around with Jesus, he gave to Paul in a moment, in a second. And now Paul had this gospel. Paul was now an apostle. Paul now had this information that he had to go share. He had to come running up and go declare this to everybody. So that's why Paul can say, I'm an apostle. Oh, by the way, I'm not an apostle from men. Or, right? Like, I didn't get this from anybody. Like, like this was just Jesus. Like, Jesus came to me. Jesus picks his apostles. And he did, and he included Paul in that. All right, verse 2. And all the brothers were with him. So he's introducing himself, right? So back in that day when they'd write letters, they would start with the from, and then they'd go to the to. I know we write letters, and we, well, you kids probably don't write letters anymore. You just write emails, right? So in lowercase. Um, so, um, but like, you know, they would, they, so they write from and then to, and so he says, Paul is writing this and all the brothers who are with me. And actually that brothers is a general brothers and sisters. And so who, who are they? It's Silas and Mark and Barnabas and probably a handful of other people. This is, he's writing this post his first missionary journey, which we'll, we'll cycle back around to that here in a second. And he's writing it to the churches of Galatia. This is Southern Turkey. So this is Turkey that's like right on the Mediterranean Sea, okay? Um, And, you know, it it captures a lot of the churches that are kind of in the southeast, if you will. Um, And then as you continue to go to the west, you start running into Thessalonica, Philippi, right? We have separate letters to those churches. This is just to that handful of churches that are in southern Turkey, uh, modern-day Turkey. Um, And so he's writing it to them. All right. No, here's uh, verse three. He says, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That could be the end of the letter. (laughs) Right. What was Paul doing? Right. At the very outset, he goes, here's the gospel. As he said, who gave himself for our sins. Right there, right at the very beginning, Paul says, Jesus, Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus gave himself for our sins. His purpose was not to just come and die arbitrarily. His purpose was to come and die for us. To what? To deliver us, to rescue us from our predicament, our slavery to sin. Like, right, like literally right at the beginning, he says this. And you can read the manuscript, and it says it. Like, 
this wasn't, here's, here's the amazing part of this too, right? Paul went around to these churches and planted churches, right? Like he went into these cities, he preached in the synagogues. And you can read it, it's Acts 13 and 14 where he's doing that. And he goes around and then, and now he's come back and now he's writing a letter back to them. Do you think his message changed? So this is the first thing, right? Like we kind of think about like, I don't know, if you were a human, if it was a human message, you might go like, hey, do you guys remember when I said that a few years ago? Okay, well, I was wrong, right? Like I could probably go back to some of my sermons and go, you know, I said that, that's, that's not really what I meant, or, or, you know, maybe, maybe I, you know, misspoke here or whatever. Like Paul is not apologetic in the least in this letter. It is very much like the same thing I told you then, still true. Like nothing's changed, nothing at all. Like this is the gospel. All right. So what's the context? Why is Paul writing this? We'll, we'll read this in the next few verses. All right. So verse six, Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So this is the why. Why is Paul writing this? He planted these churches. He knew these people. He's left. And now he's heard rumors, messenger, whatever. Somehow he now knows that things aren't how he left them. That this gospel that he had communicated to them, they've, it's, it's become tarnished in some way. Now, whether it was them who did it on their own accord or people that came in, I think as we go through this, it's going to be pretty clear that it's people coming in and kind of, um, I think he even uses the term that they, they're like trying to steal their freedom, that they're trying to enslave them again. I don't think anybody had bad intentions. Even when he says that, that's a huge generalization. <laughs> I certainly don't know. We're, we're a couple thousand years from right? But... I think the distortion of the gospel often happens with good intentions. And, and as we step through this, I think we're going to see that, like, we got to really keep our own hearts and minds in check because our hearts are deceptive. And what we think might be a good shade, a good movement of the gospel might just be the thing that steals the freedom that we have in the gospel. And that's why Paul is writing this. Look at the words he uses. He says, I am astonished. I think for us, I don't know, would we, would we use that word if we we're like, hey, so-and-so, they, uh, yeah, they kind of stopped going to church and they're not, really, they're not really a believer anymore. I don't know that I would use that word astonished. I would be sad, but I, I wouldn't be astonished. I'd go, it's a fallen world, and there's lots of enticements, and right? But Paul's astonished, and I think it's because he saw Christ. <laughs> because he's like, I don't understand. Like, for Paul, he's like, I don't even understand how you could possibly walk away. What does he even use? He uses the words deserting him. This isn't a theological truth Paul's talking about. Paul's like, you're deserting Jesus Christ. How could you leave him? Right? Like, like, that's how Paul sees this. It's relational. And we talked about this last week, right? Why is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life? It's relational. It has to do with us abiding in him and trusting in him. And so Paul goes, how could you have started trusting in him and, and left? It's not like he became untrustworthy. He's the same Jesus. Nothing's changed. I'm astonished that this has happened. You see, for Paul, I think it was very personal. And look what it says. It says they're turning to a different gospel. It's kind of funny. And I, I don't know if, I mean, obviously, you know, everything that's in here is orchestrated by God. But we all have the ability to, like, uh, type on a computer and hit a backspace, right? Apples. I don't think apples have backspace. They have a delete, right? Something like that. Anyway, I don't know. It's always confusing to me. But... 
you can delete and then you can go forward again. Not, not, not when you're reading, a, not when you have a manuscript on papyrus, right? Like you either have to start all over again, which, I, so I don't know, you gotta be really diligent, you gotta really be thinking about your words. But I feel like here, Paul goes, you're, they're turning to a different gospel. And he's like, well, there's not another gospel, <laughs> right? Like he kind of, he kind of paraphrases it and goes, let me just be really clear. It's not like there's another option. It's not like somebody else's. And he goes back to that Jesus saying, I'm the way and the truth and the life. There's no one else, right? And he goes, there's no other gospel. They're just taking this gospel and they're distorting it. They're making an imitation. They're, they're making it fake. They're, they're doing something that's messing it up. And what we're going to read on as we go through Galatians is that they're literally taking it and they're manipulating it in ways that they think is good. And that's the dangerous part. And that's what I was talking about before. They, they don't think they're distorting this to try to skew the Christians and, and you know, make everybody not believe, right? Like, it's, it's unintentional. It's a, well, this would be a good way to go. And then it becomes, you know, you take secondary issues and they become primary. And Christ doesn't get the focus. All right, let's look at verse eight. And this, and Paul like double downs here. <laughs> he says, but even if we, we, that's Paul. So Paul includes himself in this. He says, but even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, five 10 years ago, whenever Paul, right, however far removed Paul was from this missionary, the, the planting of these churches, let him be accursed. Damn. That's the word. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be cursed. That's a big deal. Paul's, Paul's really serious about the integrity of the message that he received from Christ. And he's saying, I don't have the authority to change. Just because I happen to be an apostle doesn't mean I can just do whatever I want. Doesn't mean I can change the message I communicated to you. My responsibility is to communicate the gospel. And if I tell you something different, he says, if an angel from heaven comes down and tells you something other than what I revealed to you, let them be accursed. Like, think about that. That's a pretty arrogant person to say that if he, if this wasn't by revelation. Right? I mean, there is almost nothing I would say ever to, um, and, and, and double down or triple down or something like that, right? Like, I know I'm fallible. I know I can get things wrong. I know I'm going to do the best that I can to exegete scripture as we go through Galatians and the other pastors. And we're at, right, we're, we're all in this together, trying to learn and, and worship and glorify God. But, but I can mess up. Paul says, there, there are no mess ups. What I preach to you came directly from Christ and is unchanging. We're just laying the stake in the ground right now. Nothing, nobody can change it. This is a man who saw Christ. This is a man who received the gospel miraculously and understood it completely because God chose to make him apostle, because God chose to reveal this to him. And I, I will tell you, like, this is this is humbling for me, right? Like, I stand up here and I, I preach. But we all preach. We all preach in our lives. We all, we all have interactions with people and we hopefully are having opportunities to say, hey, here's the gospel. Here's, here's how this affects. Here's, how, here's, here's why I have joy and peace and contentment and, and pointing back to the gospel, not to some fake gospel. Because there are a lot of fake gospels, and I'll, I'll run through a few of them here. How about the prosperity gospel? That's a, that's a pretty uh, 
famous one, I guess, if you will, right? And, and what does it say? It says that God will be most glorified if you are the most comfortable and prosperous. That, that's what the prosperity gospel says. It says. It says that when you're comfortable and you're driving around in a nice car and you got a big house and all those things, then people are going to go, wow, what's your secret? And you're going to go, God's my secret. And they're going to go, wow, God deserves to be glorified. I get it. I get how that could be. The problem is, is that that's not what the Bible says. And in fact, if you read through 1 Peter, it seems to be the exact opposite. That, that actually it's going to be the joy and contentment in the suffering and the trials and tribulations of life. That, that when God gives you peace, like that's when people are going to go, how do you have this peace? And you go, God. You see, it's in, the, it's in the problems. Everybody's riding high when things are going well, right? Everything's working out great. That's not when people start asking the question. People start asking the question when you somehow are staying above the water. Because God has chosen to preserve you. How about, how about the American gospel? American gospel that says, man, you know what? You don't, you don't need this. You don't need church. I mean, Gutenberg hooked us up with a little bit of, you know, books. You can have your own Bible. All you need is Jesus, the Bible, and you're good. Ain't that? Except for the Bible, <laughs> that says how fundamental community is. That that this is the body of Christ, and this is the bride of Christ. And Jesus goes, you're, you're going to tell me that you don't want to be a part of my body? That you don't want to be a part of the, my bride? No, no, no. The community is fundamental. Like, this is where you're going to show love and unity in a way that proclaims Christ. But man, our individualism really really roots hard and I, I blame americans but you know but i mean honestly i, I think that's a, there's a big part to that there's a lot of other gospels there's there's a social justice gospel that says that our job here is to use the bible and use the love to right all the wrongs in society that we can actually fix the depravity of man now Certainly we should, but is that what the gospel is about? Is it about us solving and fixing this? Or is it about glorifying God? You see, here, and this is the toughest part about these gospels. They're not all wrong. They're, they've got an element of truth to them. There's nothing really wrong. Do I just need Jesus? <laughs> yeah, I, I just need Jesus. I don't need you guys, <laughs> right? Except for the right, except for the right, and so do, should we be trying to right wrongs in our community and and take care of orphans and widows and and the outcasts and the underprivileged? Absolutely, the scriptures are very clear about that. But if that becomes everything, then Christ gets pushed to the side, and that's why Paul is astonished. He's like, "How could you be pushing Christ to the side for these things that happen to fit your life a little bit better?" He says in verse 10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Underline that one. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Perhaps this is why the gospels start to shift. And this is where, you know, us having a plurality of pastors, I think, is really important, right? Because I might start to preach. I'm not planning on it, just so we're clear. But I might start to preach something that, you know, or, or start to shift our focus away from discipleship and missions and, and the things that God is very clear about. And I'm counting on the other pastors and we're counting on each other to go, no, 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 right here, right? And it's the gospel. All right, verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. 
So he's like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make this up. He says, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I re received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now he's going to go through and go, I just want you to know really clear why I just said all these things, why I have the authority to say what I'm saying. He says, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Why does he say all that? I think he's saying that because he's like, I wasn't trying to find a way out. He's like, I was good. I wasn't, I was, <laughs> I was going to Damascus on a mission for God. I wasn't trying to find God. I wasn't trying to find my way or find my identity. He's like, I was good. I was advancing. I was going right down the path of the traditions of my fathers. And, and I would just look at all of us and go, you know, we read this and we read like the Jewish overtone in that. But the traditions of our fathers, that, that expression is success and a good job and wealth. And like, those, that's that's what Paul is saying here. For us, it's, it's, are we living a life where we're like, listen, I was comfortable. I wasn't planning on following Christ. He called me out of this. He chose me, not because of who I am or what I did. It's in spite of who I am and what I've done, right? And so for us as modern day Christians, right, the traditions of our fathers is, is, is those of us who are really relatively comfortable going, what am I doing? And so that's how God selected, pulled Paul out of this. And that's why he's identifying. It's like, I was comfortable. I was good. I had my house, I had a boat, I had two houses. I had taken vacations. All was good. Like there was, I had no problems except for one. And that was the absence of the gospel in my life. All right. As I start into verse 15, this is really cool. He is going to say some things, and he's going to identify some things that are the seedbed of theology through the rest of his letters. He's going to write letters for the next 20 years to different churches, right? I mean, he's the most prolific writer in uh, the New Testament, and his theology doesn't change. Again, goes back. Why? Well, because Christ gave him the gospel. So, again, for us as humans— we might have some good ideas. We might tweak them a little bit. Business plans change. We adjust things. We, we course correct. It's not what we see here. And I'll, I'll highlight some of these as we go through. In verse 15, Paul says, but, he goes, so it had nothing to do with any of that. He says, when he who had set me apart before I was born. So Paul is right there. I was set apart before I was born. Not because of what I've done. Not because of works. Works cannot be part of this because I was set apart. God had a plan for me before I was even conceived. He called me by his grace. He was pleased to reveal his son to me. That too right there. Preposition. If you have footnotes in your Bible, some might say in instead of to. I actually like the translation in better, and I think it's more representative of what he's trying to say. Because this, because Christ was revealed in Paul, not, not just to him. It wasn't just like, hey, by the way, I'm Jesus. And honestly, that's kind of what I've always thought happened on the Damascus Road. I always kind of thought it was like, boom, hi, you were persecuting me. I'm legit. And then Paul went on his merry way. But Reading this, that is not what happened. This was a fundamental change of heart, of mind, of understanding. So he was revealed in Paul. He says, in order that, what? I might preach him among, uh, preach him among the Gentiles. I, I've said this before. This is preposterous to me, right? You take this super advancing Jew, Pharisee, I'm like, send him to the Jews. Like, I still have a hard time understanding this. I'm like, why wouldn't you send? Like, like if I were, if my, if God commissioned me and was like, you need, uh, you've got all this military background, you need to go to the military, right? Isn't that how we think 
That would make sense, right? I'm going to go to the people that I can relate to and I can use metaphors and analogies that they would understand. I can connect dots. That's not what God does. He actually takes Paul and he says, you're going to the people that you used to hate. You're going to the Gentiles. And we read through. That's exactly what he ends up doing. He says, and then listen to this. He says, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him 15 days. Okay, just, I have read this a bunch, right? And I just read right through this. Three years. So Paul, walking down the road in Damascus, Christ reveals himself to him. He is so confident of what he has received from Christ. He doesn't go talk to anybody. It's not like he can get on the phone, right? Like he goes for three years preaching the gospel, never having talked to anybody. And, and, and these are the churches that he's planting. If you, I mean, you've got to say that, that that is the work of God, right? Like that he is uniquely working in and through Paul to make that happen. Like I go, man, maybe for six months. And then I'd be like, can I just check my work real quick? <laughs> like, can I just, I just want to go back. I just want to make sure I got this right. It's not what Paul does. He knows it's right. Because it's not man's gospel. Well, he says, verse 19, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said. And the, the churches in Judea, by the way, is, is Jerusalem, right? He says, they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of it. So in all of this, Paul goes, listen, this is, this is why this gospel is so important. Was it mine? I didn't make it up. God from Christ. I delivered it to you. It's unchanging. And he's going to go in chapters 2 through 6 going, let's, let's dig in to exactly what this is and why he's so astonished that they were deserting Christ. Like he goes, I don't even understand this. Let me reaffirm to you how important the gospel is. And so he ends there, and they glorified God because of me. He murdered a lot of people. He was set apart by God from the forward. Why didn't, why didn't God just wrap him into the apostles, wrap him in with the disciples? Why didn't he reveal himself to him? I mean, maybe maybe 10 lives could have been saved if God had just revealed himself to Paul a year earlier. It's an interesting perspective. Because from Paul's understanding, what Scripture tells us is that our God is sovereign. And when it looks like it's chaos, when there's death and horrible things happening around us, the reality is that God is on his throne, and he is working to save his children. And if, if this tragedy was, was required, if, if these people's murder was required such that at the end of this thing, more people would be saved, and, and even those people that get murdered are already saved, they're, they're sitting with Christ, right? And so somehow we look at this, and we're like, it's horrible, I can't believe they died, and they're sitting up there going, this is way better. Right. Like, and yet and yet we just have this tension in our lives where we just don't see that. And we go, it's not fair. And what does he say? Well, all of these Christians were looking at Paul, not with hatred. But that they glorified God because of Paul. That's a focus that is not here. It's not temporal. And that's the point of the gospel, that it's to glorify God. Let me pray.